Morning, today I am so pumped to talk with you about one of my very favorite subjects, consistently nailing focus. What? How can nailing focus be one of someone's favorite photography subjects? I mean, I have like a bazillion photography topics that I absolutely love, but I love talking about nailing focus because it basically crosses everything I love and puts it together. Light technical skill that becomes muscle memory. That's the thing that I love is like when a technical skill becomes just something that you just are so innate that you just don't think about anymore and composition. So let's go grab your favorite kind of coffee, pull up your latest session and let's chat while you edit. My name is Lisa Chandler, and if you're new around here, I'm your new photographer mom. If you're not new, hey, it's me, your old photographer mom. <laughs> I'm in my late 30s now, so I can say that. <laughs> Get ready. I have a ton of information to spill about consist consistently nailing focus. It's going to be a blast. First, gotta go with the elephant in the room. I'm an oldie and I freaking love bokeh. That said, I'm very aware that higher apertures have become more and more popular. I love this. It's really reminiscent of point and shoot cameras, but like in a high-end artistic way. I think that's amazing. And I love that as photography grows, there's so many more styles to choose from. And if you love small apertures, I think that's totally incredible. But keep in mind with this post, I love shooting pretty open. When I used to be a 1.4 girl through and through, these days I typically keep my camera around 2.0. I do move my aperture around quite a bit depending on shoots. I shoot wide open pretty frequently, but also will go up to four or five for certain subjects like wedding family formals or stock photos. And this preference will absolutely impact my advice. How do I nail focus when, or how do you <laughs> nail focus when you in fact love unique focus? First up, shooting wide open. Actually, let's backtrack. I want this podcast to be easily accessible for all photographers, so let's do a real quick rundown of what Aperture is. It's been a while since I've talked basic, so if I totally biff this, please excuse me. <laughs> Aperture controls how much of your image is in focus, and when you start, it can be a little confusing as it's part of the exposure triangle. Aperture controls how much is in focus, but it also controls how much light is let in. So if you're shooting wide open, two things are happening. Happening. First, only a small part of your frame will be in focus. Second, you're letting in as much light as possible. Wide apertures are really popular with light and airy photographers, but it's also just really popular in general because it's easier to shoot with a wide aperture in difficult lighting situations with natural light. Like if it's dark, it makes more sense to use a wide aperture. It's like easier to shoot in your house at 1.4 than it is to shoot at f8 in your house because you're going to have more light in a place where there's more shadows. Um, if you're shooting with a smaller aperture like f14, more of your frame will be in focus. This is fantastic if you're shooting something that needs a lot of focus, like a family photograph or a product shot, but there is a downside. The downside, the shallower your aperture is, the less light your lens will let in. So if you want a lot of a lot of the photograph to be in focus, you really want strong lighting conditions or off-camera flash or on-camera flash. Want to shoot in darker conditions? Wider apertures are your friend. This is a really, really fast breakdown. And again, it's been a while since I wrote anything introductory. So if you have any questions, I'll link a couple of blog posts on my website. One more thought. Aperture numbers can be confusing if you think of them in terms of light. If you can, try to think of them as focus instead. F1.4 is a tiny slice of focus. 
F14, it's a large point of focus. The converse is true with light. 1.4 will let in way more light than 14, but because aperture is the only part of the exposure triangle that controls focus and the other two parts also directly impact light, it's easier to think of aperture as focus, not as light. Woo! Hopefully <laughs> that makes sense. It's so crazy how when you're used to something, it can sometimes be a mind bender to try and break it down piece by piece. I promise these things become muscle memory and they become more and more muscle memory. Um, it's kind of like driving. Like it's so scary when you start and then like it just becomes muscle memory. You don't think about it anymore. It's of course you think about it. You want to be safe. But like same with your photographs. You want them to be safe. But like it's still muscle memory. Like um yeah, you just go for it. Like, you don't even realize, like, you're checking um, your ISO when your shutter speed anymore once you really are used to shooting. So, shooting wide open, how to nail it. Get ready to laugh. If you are shooting really wide, think 1.4 or even 1.2, you basically need to stop breathing. <laughs> Here's how it works. Place your subject, place yourself, bring your camera up to your face, and when you're ready to shoot, take a real deep breath. For really extremely wide apertures, you can totally lose focus just by moving a bit. Super stressed about a little motion blur? Blur? I've got you. <laughs> Make sure your shutter speed is high, over 1 to 50, and you should be good to go. When you're trying to nail focus at a really wide aperture, know that it takes time. You won't get your first lens that opens to 1.2, take it right out of the, the box, open it wide open, and immediately get every image in focus. That's not how it works. Give yourself some learning time and don't ever take your situation where you are and try to compare it to somebody who is steps ahead of you. Everyone learns differently and it is not a race. Another great way to approach this, lay on your belly. When you first get a lens that opens really wide, grab your kid or your spouse or a bag of popcorn, set up a mini shoot, and then lay down on the floor. Keep your hips, hips totally flat on the floor, prop yourself up on your elbows, and shoot this way. Doing so will give you more leverage in your body, and if you can hold yourself steady in this position, you'll be able to grab focus easier than you might be able to walking around like you would at a normal shoot. More about wide open apertures. Don't forget about focal points. <laughs> When I was a new photographer, I didn't realize that I had to select a focal point for my photographs. I thought that like there was just the one focal point. So I leaned into softer focus as an aesthetic, but because it was really, uh, but really it was because I had no idea what focal points were and they had to be selected. I just thought there was the one. Of course, <laughs> with newer cameras, you can turn on facial recognition software, but honestly, this isn't a good fit for me. Selecting focal points is pretty relaxing for me at this point in my career. Like, I just really love to select focal points. It feels like part of the process that, like, is just like that creative vibe in my head. So I love that I can control it, of course, but I also love that it's just something really methodical and a routine that I do, like, every time I look through the frame. It's just really fun for me. I love it. It's relaxing. So, Back button focus. Speaking of routine, I don't shoot with back button focus, but this is crucial for other people's process. I know this is super unpopular. It's just so like people love back button focus, but I just don't like it. The feel of pushing the shutter halfway down is one of my fave things. I think it's a holdover from those point and shoot cameras in my childhood. And while I totally get the need to use back button focus and think it looks really cool when people use it, <laughs> It's just not for me, but that doesn't mean it might not be for you. Definitely explore back button focus and see if it's something you absolutely love. Remember, there's no one right way to do anything. You've got this. Shooting with blur when it's okay. Whew. 
This is one of my fave topics too. Over the past few years, we've seen a huge uptick in blurry images and I love them. However, there are two different types of blurry photographs. If you're turning photographs black and white while they're out of focus, that is not a technique or something you can replicate. They're happy accidents, even if they look really cool. If, however, you're intentionally shooting blurry images for a few highlights in your gallery, this is an awesome way to get creative. Embrace that movement. Speaking of movement, when you're, sure, when you're shooting blurry photos, don't forget to experiment. Your subjects can move, run, jump, kiss, twirl, whatever, but don't forget that you can move too. Move the camera around. Don't be, don't like, um, don't be afraid to drag your camera as you drag your shutter speed. Remember, when shooting blurry photos, you want your shutter speed to be slow. Remember how we just talked about shooting wide open? For blurry photos, you do not want to shoot wide open. Turn your aperture up and your shutter speed slow. Nail focus consistently, but know that creative freedom is good for you too. So how can you tie blurry photos into your gallery? When you're shooting blurry photographs, think of it as a gallery enhancement. <laughs> this will sound off topic, but I promise it will all tie back together. As a creative photographer, I love shooting through stuff. Prisms, tool, plastic bags, it really doesn't matter. I literally used to break mason jars with a hammer and shoot through them. And while at 37, I wouldn't recommend recommend this as a safe option, 27-year-old me was obsessed with doing this uh, because the glass shards were unpredictable. I think that's the funniest part of getting farther into my photography career as a mom. <laughs> When my career was new, I wasn't worried about things like grass, glass fragments from uh, mason jars. And now I'm immediately just like, no, like absolutely not. <laughs> anyway, as much as I love shooting through stuff, I do not do this with every photograph or even at every session. You know how when you're shooting details, it's good to go big and then go small? Blurry photographs are the same. Take a blurry photograph, but mix it into a gallery. Even if you mark it with a lot of blurry photographs, you'll want to take normal photographs too. So take the create a photograph, put your settings back to normal, and then take a save for option just very quickly. I don't recommend doing this because I'm a stick in the mud, quite the contrary, but when you're shooting creatively, think of the photographs as a page in an album or as an Instagram carousel. You want the emotion from the creativity, but you need the standard photo with consistent focus for context. So, Think of it just all tied together. Don't think of them as individual photographs. Think of them flowing into each other. And then you can have that like, oh, here they are walking on this hillside. Now here's a blurry photograph of them walking past me like with their hands. Um, is it hard to switch mindsets between creative and focus and technical focus? I wouldn't say that it's difficult to switch from creative focus to technical focus, but I would say that it takes practice. Here's what I mean. Creative focus, blurry photographs, photo shot through a surface, light painting, etc., are all created to convey an emotion. While photographs with traditional focus also convey emotions, the end goal is a little different. Think of creative focus as abstract and traditional photographs as well traditional. Together, these types of focus can really elevate a gallery to have a ton of emotion that they could not achieve if the gallery was only made up of one type of focus. The biggest hurdle with this is mindset. It's not hard to switch from manual focus to autofocus, but the first few times you do, it will feel like you're taking a step backwards. Don't fall into that feeling. Just know that just with shooting manual, things take time. Eventually, you'll be able to switch from creative focus to traditional focus without the thought even registering. I think that's my favorite part. My favorite part. <laughs> my favorite part about photography. That is a technical thing to learn. But then when you're used to those technicalities, everything just turns into creative work. It's so freaking rad. I love it. 
What do I do if I miss focus? When you miss focus, be easy on yourself. Losing focus will happen less and less the more you shoot, but it can literally happen to anyone. Like you can be positioned perfectly, but if the wind wraps um, someone's hair differently than you expected, your focus could be off. And that's okay. When dealing with images that are close to focus, but not 100% where you like them, look at them critically. I know that's so hard to do. Photography is our art, but I recommend passing them up while editing and then coming back to them. Flag them differently than your definite keepers. And when you come back at the end of the gallery, see if they will enhance the gallery or not. Also, if you are editing on a huge computer screen, you're way more likely to notice imperfections. And if you're zooming into someone's eye from a full body shot, there's a huge chance chance that the focus will be a little soft no matter how consistently you've nailed focus. This doesn't mean the photo is a dud. It definitely doesn't mean you should trash the photograph. It does mean, though, that not everyone is meant for pixel peeping. (laughs) When I go down the pixel peeping path, it almost never ends well for me. And I usually only take a few totally out of focus shots of year. Like I don't really have a lot of issues nailing focus. Be kind to yourself. Don't over, don't turn over work. You wouldn't want to claim as your work, (laughs) but also don't think that everything needs to be ready to hang in a museum that I'll show, like like be the prime example of portraiture 500 years from now. Most of us are not Hans Holbein, you know, like we're not, we're not all taking photographs of the Gambolin. So Will this business, <laughs> will this become a second nature? Absolutely. The longer you shoot, the more things become seamless. Focus used to be something that kept me up at night. And as I mentioned earlier, I didn't even know really how to control focal points. Today, I only think about focus if I feel like my camera is lagging or a lens is being goofy. Focus is a technical skill that you can move and break and twist for creative expression. Don't be afraid to try new things. Just remember to include photographs that feel a little more traditional too. And if you shoot a ton of creative work, think of it as a fun way to incorporate traditional shots. Personally, I think of a fun way to do this. Personally, I call traditional smiling photographs mom shots because it's funny and because everyone knows what that means. <laughs> a cute smiling photograph where everybody looks at the camera. Are they the star of my gallery? No. Are they the ones that people like that makes my photographer heart swoon? Absolutely not. But they're traditional for a reason. They're easy for people to frame and they only take a few seconds. Like it doesn't take a lot of brain work to go ahead and grab those when you're shooting creatively. So thanks so much for being here, y'all. Have any questions about nailing focus or want to request a future podcast? podcast topic, for sure reach out to me on my website. I'm happy to talk with you about this further or to take any of your future um, topics into consideration. So go out there, create amazing work. Don't be afraid about focus. Just keep shooting. The more you shoot, the more you're going to understand your camera and the more your style is going to evolve and turn into the thing you want it to. I'll talk to you later, guys. Bye.